Welcome everybody to the Cellcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Cellcast. Joining me tonight is your host. He certainly doesn't know what the baby's going to be doing. Jacob! Why, thank you. And to introduce our co-host, who insists on wearing capes and his underwear on the outside. Welcome, Drew! Okay. Now, I haven't done that since third grade. (laughs) Okay, anyway. Yes! Uh, For those of you wondering... The third grade... uh, it was better than three. <laughs> that's it was true. funnier than three. <laughs> yeah, that's true. What if I just said I hadn't done that since high school? That wouldn't have been any better. <laughs> um, anyways. So, uh, we ran into an issue the last time we tried to record this episode, so we had to re-record it again. Yeah, we were robot voice. Uh, yeah, I think I found a way around that, but you know, we'll see until something else screws up. Yeah, we're still learning with it on this stuff. Bear with us, Pete, folks. But uh, I guess I should ask, how have you been the last couple weeks? Man, I've been doing very well, actually. Just relaxing, working, drawing, doing a podcast, and just trying to figure out what I'm supposed to be doing in life. And I'm slowly working on that. All right. How about yourself? Well, let's see. I defeated 13 Avatars of Darkness. I <laughs> I crowned a bunch of little princesses. And of course, if it does, if you're trying to figure out what I'm doing, I've been playing video games. Yeah, it, it sounds like. Yeah. Are he are you jumping in the record, Ralph? Maybe, but no, no, no. I've I've uh, I've mostly just been playing a couple games the last couple weeks. Keeping myself from going insane, dealing with the computer issues we've been dealing, with, we've been working with. Yeah, uh, but I, overall, I've ha- I've just had a good time. Good. So, uh, what have you watched, animated wise? Oh, what have I watched, animation wise? I had the privilege to go and watch How to Train Your Dragon Three. Okay, it was a solo uh, solo outing, but. As it happens. As it happens. Sometimes you just you just do things solo. Mm-hmm. And watching a movie sometimes is great because you don't get the someone next to you talking or munching too loud or talking during the movie. <laughs> to quote from the first movie, you just gestured to all of me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Are you saying I'm a bit loud? Uh, maybe. Okay. I kid, I kid, I kid. I know you are. <laughs> Uh, Actually, you know, kind of on a side note, this movie just wraps it, uh, an amazing trilogy up together in a nice bow. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those movies that I'm not ashamed. I cried. I wept. It was mm-hmm. that good. It gave, it sailed this movie off in the sunset. And I hope Drew Marks does not touch it again. But that's only wish fulfillment. All right. Other than that, other than that, um, I've collected a few other films. Uh, I went by a friend. He was at a garage sale, and he was selling movies. And I was like, ooh, okay. I lost this movie, which was Bash on the Christ. 
And then it was like, ooh, he's got these two DreamWorks packed bundle for two, which was Joseph of Many Colors. I think it's uh, Joseph King of Dreams. Joseph King of Dreams. Thank you. And the Prince of Egypt. Okay. I was like, not bad for a buck. That's not bad at all. It's not bad at all for a dollar. No. So that's what I've been watching. What have you been watching? Well, last week, uh, before we had our recording issue, Mm -hmm. I discovered a new anime that I pretty much fell in love with. Okay. It is a story about a guy, Recluse, Mm -hmm. who doesn't get out of his apartment. He's He's a very famous author, but he has pretty much no life. Gotcha. He's visiting his parents' grave uh, one week, one day, mm-hmm. and he gets attacked by a cat. <laughs> and he gets inspired by the look on this cat's face. And so he ad- adopts this cat. He, he t- takes this stray cat home, mm-hmm. and the entire show is about their life together. Mm-hmm. It's called My Roommate is a Cat. The first half of the episode is always from his point of view. Yeah. Where it's like, uh, like for instance, in one episode I recently saw, he realized, oh, cats have to go to the vet for checkups. <laughs> so he takes the cat to the vet for a checkup. Mm-hmm. He's not good in public. So he's having a hard time. He's trying to, he wants to do what's good for this cat, obviously. Yeah. But he's not good talking with people and he overdoes things. Yeah. Can relate. Yeah. But the second half, as I said, is told from the cat's point of view. <laughs> In a vet's office. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, where am I? What's going on? It's hilarious because it actually animates, like, when the uh, doctor goes to grab him, it's playing this horror music. Because <laughs> from the cat's point of view, this is the most horrible thing that's ever happened right. to him. The, cat, the doctor's checking checking the, you know, got, got the stethoscope in its ear to look at it, and you just hear that dun, 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 dun. Because <laughs> the cat's going nuts. It doesn't know what's going on. Right. It's scared to death. It doesn't know what to do. Make matters worse. <laughs> They're out in the lobby. The main guy, he's talking to the vet, trying to Talking to the, not the nurse, but the vet nurse. I don't know what the term is. Yeah. Uh, Dealing with the billing and all. And the next door neighbor's dog happens to also be in for a visit. He is a nice, friendly dog. It's not, you know. It's kind of how I would expect you to be if you were a dog. Okay. (laughs) Hi, 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 hi. How are you? How are you? (laughs) Well, maybe not that hyper. Uh, (laughs) But uh, the dog is just being nice and friendly to the cat. And they're talking about and. You know, the cat is just like, well, I don't know anything about this family thing you're talking about. He's just the guy uh, uh, that we, I hang out with because he needs all the help he can get. It's like, well, I like, and the dog's like, well, I like being with guys because they give me treats and all this stuff. Uh, it's just what family is. What do you mean family? It's like, I don't know. I, I don't know what the word means. It's just what they keep saying at my house, so I'm just going with it. <laughs> it's a fun show. It's one that makes me smile. At the end of the episode, I yeah. can't help but not love it. It's a show I highly suggest you look for. It is an anime. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only place I've found it dubbed so far is the uh, Funimation Now app. Uh-huh. Because uh, it's literally airing in Japan right, as also, so there's a little bit of a time delay. 
should be coming out on Blu-ray, one hopes, within the next year. Highly suggested. It's so much fun. That my neighbor is a cat. Okay. I, my uh, roommate is a cat. Okay. But speaking of cats, I think we both saw a live yes. action movie. With, with a very... With a very nice cat. Yeah, very nice orange tabby. Yes. <laughs> we both got to see Captain Marvel. Uh, I enjoyed the movie. I know we're, I know it's not animated, but I guess there's some computer animation in there. Yeah. But I, I figured we both had to get that off our chest. Yes. Captain Marvel was a very good film. Very good film. Hit all the nice buttons. Um, it was definitely... Um, Captain Marvel was an amazing film. Mm-hmm. Amazing film, amazing cast. I wouldn't say it was. It wasn't a bad film. It wasn't a spectacular, amazing film. Like yeah. one of my favorites, Captain America: The Winter Soldier, in comparison. Mm-hmm. But it was a great film. It was a great film. It's probably in my top ten. Probably in the top ten Marvel films right now. Uh, we got You're wait- rating it higher than I am, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. We got to wait until Avengers Endgame comes out mm-hmm. to see where that'll. More than a lie, but the the hands down favorite character of this movie was Goose the cat. Yes, I will agree with that. <laughs> In fact, here's the thing: that show, that movie, plus the show I watched earlier, you know, my roommate is a cat. Yeah, kind of makes me want them to do a semi parody of it called "My Roommate Is a Flurkin," <laughs> and it's starring Fury and Goose. <laughs> Uh, well, obviously this movie's in theaters right now, so we're not going to spoil it. So, yeah, definitely they go watch win. it. They win. The Earth is not destroyed. <laughs> yeah. Because there's 20 movies that take place after it. <laughs> and, uh, Cap- and Captain Marvel does return for Avengers Endgame. Yes. But I will say, do stay until after all the credits. There's one last scene that all cat lovers will... Have sympathy, yeah. <laughs> for unfortunately, the the friend I went with decided, oh, we're gonna leave right now. It's like, huh? Oh well. <laughs> Apparently, I missed Shame something. Shame on him. Yeah. He, oh well. Maybe he just had to use the restroom. Who knows? Anyhow. Anyways, so with the only bit of news I could find, and if you go to our Facebook page, the Subcast, I posted the first. And apparently, only trailer for Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Nice. Yes. Did you were you able to watch the trailer? I watched it this afternoon. It's, okay. Uh, it's on par with most of the other uh, animated Batman stuff uh, trailers for these uh, that have come out recently. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like okay, I can get behind this. I don't remember. I don't know why, I don't remember Garth Gotham City existing in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles universe, but yeah. if they can make it work, I can love with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this trailer was just, I can't believe they did it. I can't, I can't believe that you had DC and Nickelodeon come together to make a film about two Titan franchise mm-hmm. and make it work. Well, right now, I don't know if it works or not, because I haven't right. seen the film yet, but the trailers leave a appetite in my soul to go watch this film. And so, most likely, I will go buy it. Or most likely, when my brother picks it up, I'll watch it. Right. I, 
I'm not entirely sure how much Nickelodeon had to do with it other than signing off on it. Right. Because when you look at it, while it's, it is a different art style, it is more Ninja Turtle-y style art style they're using for the movie than the Batman art style. Yeah. Uh, you can definitely tell most of this was written on the, around the Batman side of things. Yeah. So. Hmm. So in kind of a, it's not, it's news, but it's not really news. Because when you let your inner, uh, geek, your inner five-year-old movie nerd come out. That wasn't where I was going, but okay. Yeah, your, your inner movie, your inner animated movie nerd come out. Mm Mm-hmm. I had a very interesting conversation with a friend of mine. Okay. Uh, well, to start off, we, we have different opinions. We As different, we all do. We all have different opinions. And what was great about it, because we could talk about a subject that is kind of a hud-button hud- issue right now. And I won't go into it, because it's more of a private conversation. Right. But we walked away, you know, still friends, laughing, joking about things. Because I think it's where our society has gone wrong. Where we, we start talking about if you don't agree with me, you're this, this, and this, and this. Mm-hmm. And when it's simply, okay, I disagree with this. I disagree with a subject matter. I disagree with a topic. And we can still get along. We can still get along and be like, we're not all going to agree with everything. We're going to agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. And so afterwards, we had a very different conversation, which me and you had very often. Favorite Disney princess. And for me, I'm very confident in my masculinity. I don't care. Right. So we started talking, and uh, she's like, oh, so who's your favorite princess? From what I said, it was... I'm guessing Rapunzel. Rapunzel. You're correct. And she was like, oh my gosh, who would like Rapunzel? Oh my gosh. Blah. It's like, okay, friendship over. That's it. We're done. <laughs> Don't mess with my princess lady. <laughs> and which I'm completely joking. We yes. just we, we had a blast, and it's like yeah. Apparently, both like Ariel when we were kids. Well, who wouldn't? Yeah, of course. She's a redhead <laughs> and very fiery. Yeah, in an awkward, in an aquatic sort of way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah, so that's news. Uh, just as a quick aside. You already said which is your favorite Disney princess. I guess I should reciprocate. Yeah, go for it. Vanellope von Schweetz. Oh, yes. And I don't care that she's not considered an official princess. She is a princess of Sugar Rush. That counts for me. <laughs> I'll tell you, Lee, she's the president. <laughs> she was a princess. Yeah, that's true. She has her own princess song. Yeah, Wreck-It Ralph 2, which is an amazing movie. Because there's no place like Slaughter Race. <laughs> Anyway. Yeah. On to the review! So, on to our review of The Incredibles. Where were you when you first saw this movie? I first saw this movie at home. I didn't get a chance to go see it in theaters. Mm-hmm. And I was being told, Jacob, you got, again, Jacob, why haven't you watched this movie? This movie's incredible. Pun intended. <laughs> Sorry. It's fine. And so... Oddly enough, I have the DVD here with me, and mm-hmm. I purchased this from Blockbuster. Boy, that's ironic. Yeah, that's ironic. For this week. Yes. And I still have the receipt inside the box. Nice. Yeah. So, I thought that was kind of an interesting thing, because I found it, it was like, oh, oh, it's 
so much, but like, yeah, I'll buy it. I think I bought it with another movie. Mm-hmm. And well, it should say on that receipt, it's too faded. Would be by now, actually. Yeah. yeah, it's it's been so many years. It's been two thousand four. It should say on there. I think it's two thousand four, two thousand five, two thousand three, two thousand three. Okay, yeah, two thousand three. Yeah, ever since I bought this, probably in late two thousand three when this came out, mm-hmm. I probably watch this movie every year. Like, you watch a lot of movies every year. I yeah, think. I do. <laughs> I do. There's these certain films that I watch every year, and I, I love them. I'll probably watch them twice a year. Mm-hmm. Like Back to the Future. Well, now that, that entire movie's in the past. Yeah, but it also in the future. Which is now in our past. Yes. But it's still a good movie. It, Movies. it wasn't. I'm I know. <laughs> pointing out. 2015 came. And it went. And ironically, the Cubs nearly won the World Series. Yes, they did. And we did technically have something called a hoverboard. Yeah. But it's it not- caught on fire. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's on two wheels. It's not a hoverboard. And people were crashing with those faster than they were with the uh, Segways. Yeah, that's true. So anyway, sorry. Anyways. Didn't mean to interrupt. Um, yeah, when do we ever not go into... <laughs> Chasing rabbits. It's a hallmark of the show. Yes. Yeah. Sit down. Watched it. I've loved it ever since. And like I said, I've watched it each and every year. Okay. So, what are your fond memories of The Incredibles? First time I went to go see The Incredibles, I got to see it in the theater. It was not opening weekend. It was a couple weeks after that because uh, we didn't have a movie theater in town that uh, in the town I grew up in. Yeah. So we had to drive to South Tyler. Because the movie theater on the north side of Tyler, nobody in their right mind, if they could help it, would go to, in my opinion. I know which theater you're talking about. Yes. Uh, so, the first time I got to see this movie, it was right after Times Square first opened. Oh, okay. Uh, was for, that was actually the first time we tried that theater. Because at the time, we had been going to, uh, well, we'd been going to the other one, but we're really wanting to get out of that one. Yeah. Because that for a while, that one on in North Tyler was the only one. True, very very true. Kind of an odd segue with that. That was the first theater I saw Star Wars Episode One in, hmm. and I think I saw Episode Two, and I think I saw Episode Three somewhere else. Well, as another weird little connection, that's where I technically saw the special editions of Four, Five, and Six. Really. But that was back when it was owned by Carmike. <laughs> oh, okay. I got you. So, anyway, um, and honestly, I knew it was, I was mostly wanting to go because A, superheroes. B, Pixar. Pixar hadn't, even now, Pixar has not made a bad movie. Hmm. They've made weak movies, but yeah. not bad movies. Yeah. Uh, and so, asked, those were probably the reasons I was going. I, at the time, I did not know who any of the actors were. Mm-hmm. I recognized a couple, but <laughs> I just remember loving the movie from Women because it was done so well. Yes, I agree. So, I had very fond me- memories, and yeah. So, yeah, this is a uh, 3D movie. Mm-hmm. 3D, uh, th- 3D computer-generated movie. I guess it's not really... I guess technically... Uh, Stop motion would be considered 3D also. Yes. Uh, but it is a, th- a 3D CG movie. Uh, it was made in 2003, as you pointed out a minute ago. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, and it was the first time Brad Bird had directed a movie for Pixar. Mm-hmm. And also the first time he'd done a 3D movie. 
Yeah, I think it was the first time he ever did a voice in. Uh, don't on. quote me on that. Yeah, let's. In the back of my mind, I can see him having uh, cameo voice appearances. Yeah. and stuff. But the thing, the movie he was well known before this, even though I did not see this movie until a- long afterwards, mm-hmm. was the Iron Giant movie. I have not seen yet. It's a movie we will see. I can't okay. tell you that right now. Gotcha. It's a very good movie. Uh. It's very much a, it's, it's kind of got the art style of The Incredibles, but it's done in 2D. Okay. Uh, it is, and it's a very fun movie with a very sad ending. That's but, what I keep hearing. So it stars, uh, Craig T. Nelson mm-hmm. as Bob Parr, aka Mr. Incredible, whom you may know from Coach. Yes. Especially if you're our age. <laughs> yes. Uh, playing, uh, Helen Parr, a.k.a. Elastigirl, we have Holly Hunter. Oh. Who you may know as uh, the senator from Batman vs. Superman, who tells Lex Luthor, you can call a jar of urine, urine uh, Granny's peach tea, it doesn't make it taste any sweeter. Spencer Fox plays Dash Parr. Mm-hmm. And as far as I could tell when I looked this up before, I don't think he's done anything else. He's not really had much of a career after this. And I know that Sarah Powell, who plays uh, Violet Parr, this and Incredibles 2 are the only two things she's done. Hmm. She wasn't really an actress, I don't think. But then you have a young man in his first superhero role before he became famous for doing superheroes. Actually, no, he was famous for lots of stuff. Before yeah, this. before that, he was famous for a lot. But let's face it, this is the scene I think most people remember. This is a role he's very well remembered for. Yes, he is. And that is uh, Samuel L. Jackson playing Lucius Best, a.k.a. Frozone. Where's my super suit? <laughs> oh, don't... We're gonna get to that scene. <laughs> I can quote the entire thing. Uh, but, uh... And my understanding is, uh, Brad Bird picked, uh... Samuel L. Jackson for this role because he wanted the coolest character on screen. Yeah, they have the coolest voice, in which he did. Well, it makes sense. The coolest, temperature-wise, actor, <laughs> uh, uh, character, should have the coolest sounding uh, voice mm-hmm. to him. And that, let's face it, Samuel L. Jackson has one of the best, coolest sounding voices in Hollywood. I agree. And then last, but most certainly not least... Brad Bird has a cameo role. Yes. As Edna Mode, a.k.a. E. Mm-hmm. Who oh, does not bro. like capes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. His his performance as Edna Mode threw me for the loop first time I heard it. Because mm-hmm. I heard people talk about it. It's like, do you realize that's the, act, the director? Be like, that's Brad Bird. As that voice, that character. It doesn't like, sound like it. No, either. be like, are you serious? And you listen to it, and it's like, that is uncanny. Just the the range in which he goes with that mm-hmm. character is just perfect. And I want to bring up a uh, another actor who was in this that mm-hmm. had a more more of an extra than anything else. Yeah, played the role of Bob's boss at Insurecare. Oh yes, Wallace Shawn. Mm-hmm. I can't think of the character's name, but that's beside the point. Uh oh, Mr. Gruff. Yeah, Mr. Gruff. I believe. Uh, He's probably most well known as being Vicini from The Princess Bride. Inconceivable! Who, if you know anything, you'll know that going against the Sicilian when death is on the line is one of the two 
biggest blunders in world history. <laughs> the other being uh, not to get stuck in a land war in Asia. <laughs> very true. Very true. Now, I think we missed somebody, I believe. Oh. Yeah. Who did I miss? Jason Lee. Yes, I forgot Jason <laughs> Lee. For some reason, Jason Lee was not in my notes, but he played Syndrome, a.k.a. Buddy. Yeah, Buddy Pine. And most people know Jason Lee from his role in the Alvin and Chipmunk movies, where he played... Alvin! <laughs> yes. I'm guessing. Yeah, no, he played... Um, or the guy who yelled Alvin? Yes. Um, oh, Crow, come on. Jiminy Crickets, what's his name? Uh, Pogo Stick. Dave! Dave! Yes, Dave. He he played Dave in the Alvin and Chipmunks movies. Uh, so I guess we ought to talk about some of these characters. Yeah, let's let's uh, yeah. To get into it, I kind of, before we get too far into it, I want to talk about that opening scene because it impressed me. Yes, same here. The fact that A, it's grainy. B, it's four by three. <laughs> Yeah. And C, it actually is overexposed. Yeah. Which is odd to see in a digital movie. Yeah. You know, kind of like same line because it looks like old, unused internet. I mean, not internet. Archive footage. Archive footage. There we go. It looks like archive footage. You know, behind the scenes stuff that probably was never used just kind of draws you back because this movie is based in the 50s. Yeah, it, well, starts, it, it starts, starts in, in the 50s. Because that's the other thing that we haven't really gotten into yet. Uh, this is essentially an. This movie is essentially an ode to Silver Age comics. Yes. Which, for those of you who don't know what that means, which is understandable, this is the era that created Iron Man, uh, the Incredible Hulk, mm-hmm. the modern versions of uh, the Flash, uh, Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to think of other characters, but essentially, it is where most of what we think of as comic books mm-hmm. comes from. Yeah, there were comic books before that, back during the golden age, when uh, it was goofy. You get yeah, right down to yeah, it. during the forties, and, and of course, propaganda about yeah, we got to go kill Hitler, got to uh, go punch Hitler in the face. face. Yes, <laughs> so that's where a lot of your classic stories come from. But really, where it start, where our modern way of thinking about these characters and most of where mm-hmm. our idea of these characters comes from is from the Silver Age, which is yes. really what this movie is celebrating. Yeah. And the movie contains elements of really both DC and Marvel, because at this time Disney did not own Marvel. Yeah. So they could get away with some of it. Yeah. They could get away with being equal. They had no stake in that game. Yeah. But it it's just a really fun superhero flick. Yeah, I agree. I agree with the just, yeah, like it, you know, kind of arcs back to the, the old days. Mm-hmm. And where superheroing was just fun. Yeah. And it wasn't the 80s where everything was dark and gritty and just depressing. So, like, a previous movie where uh, a character sings, Darkness! <laughs> no parents! <laughs> I'm sorry, that was on my mind. Okay, perfectly fine. So, yeah, superheroes. I guess we should start with Bob. Yeah, let's let's start with Mr. Incredible. Okay. Go ahead. So, Bob Parr, also known as Mr. Incredible. Mm-hmm. A man who went from being everybody's favorite superhero yeah. to a man who was down on his luck, working mm-hmm. a nine-to-five job, yeah. bored out of his skull, mm-hmm. 
and just wanted a little adventure. Wanted to go back and relive the glory days. Right. In which, you know, Essentially, going through a midlife crisis. Yes. He's going through a midlife crisis. Mr. Incredible has a very interesting adventure mm. in this show, in this movie, where his family is tested, his very existence is tested. Yes. All because he works alone. Mm-hmm. So, the first thing that comes to my mind when I see Bob, especially the first time I saw it, is how many different superheroes he's essentially represented. The superhero types. Yeah. He is essentially your Captain America slash Superman mm-hmm. type character. But, oddly enough, the character he has the most in common with, at least from a, pa- a superpower, his powers point of view. Yeah. Is Shazam, a.k.a. the original Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. who is a DC Comics character now. Yeah. Uh, in fact, it's almost so obvious in the scene where, uh, anytime you see him in his cubicle at the beginning of the movie, yeah. uh, you know he's sharing it with the central support beam of the building. Yeah. But you can see on, the, on that beam is, is one of those power boxes. Yeah. And the lightning bolts... On, on that box is the exact same uh, lightning bolt, except red, uh, that Shazam is on Shazam's costume. Yeah, I noticed that. Uh, I think with Pop, with Mr. Incredible, mm-hmm. uh, I think he lines up more with like the Incredible Hulk, just personally. Okay. Where he's a man that has this incredible strength, but he has this, this fear of losing things. He's the fear that he's he's going to lose something. Yeah. Or uh, it's not the fact he's going to lose control. It's the fact he's going to lose everything. Well, I don't think he even comes to that realization until about halfway through the movie. Yeah. Because at the beginning of the movie, he's so focused on getting out that he yeah. almost doesn't think about how it's going to affect his family. Yeah, that's true. To the point where he even lies that he's lost his job. Yeah. And goes on this adventure. It's like, what would have happened if that first trip to uh, the island, if he had lost, if he'd gotten killed? Yeah. His family didn't know where he was going. They thought he was going to a conference somewhere. Mm -hmm. He could have died. He could have. On that island. And, you know, that would have broke them up. They would not have known why he went there. Oh, yeah. So, anyway. Anyways. Um... One of the lines that kind of just sum up, you know, Mr. Incredible's dilemma, mm-hmm. his dilemma of being a superhero and being a father and being a husband, is when his entire family is reunited on the island, they get captured, mm-hmm. and he says this line, which is just bits him to a T. Yeah. I'm sorry, this is my fault. I've been a lousy father, blinded to what I have, so obsessed with being underrated that I underrated you all, referring to his family. Mm-hmm. So caught up in the past that I, you, are my greatest adventure. And I almost missed it. And that just sums up Mr. Incredible. Yeah. Where he's incredibly powerful, mm-hmm. but he gets so short-sighted on his his goals, his dream, that he nearly loses everything. Yeah. And not to get too focused on The Incredibles 2, which starts immediately after this movie. Yes. That kind of informs how he enters that movie, where he's wanting to spend much more time with his family. Yeah. So, so, um, so, why don't we talk about 
Mrs. Incredible. Well, ironically, the only place she's called Mrs. Incredible was in the toys because they legally couldn't call her uh, Elastigirl yeah. in the toy line because DC Comics threatened to sue. Because oh. they have a character named Elastigirl also. Mm-hmm. With, I think it's either, I think she, uh, the DC Comics character has a hyphen between Elasta and Girl. Yeah. Which is the only reason Disney got away with it yeah. as much as they did. But um, she is very flexible. Yeah, she's, um, which kind of fit, which fits her character. Uh, in terms of superpowers, she's much more. Lo- she's uh, of course she's essentially made of rubber, much like uh, Mister Fantastic and the Fantastic Four and uh, Plastic Man over in DC. Yeah, um, one of the things I like about her character is the fact that she's probably the smartest person in the room. Yeah, almost in every instance. I agree. Uh, the only blind spot she has is to Bob himself. But to the point where when she finally does realize what Bob has been doing, Mm -hmm. which is, it's ironic because you can tell they're kind of making the uh, references to maybe their marriage is maybe ending over maybe them thinking her think maybe thinking that Bob is cheating on her. Yeah. But in reality, Bob's just going through a midlife crisis. Heroing, which puts the whole family in danger. Um, one of the things I love that she says is when Violet is asked, her, her daughter asks her, I don't understand, is dad in trouble or is dad the trouble? And she says, either either, either your father's in trouble or he's going to be. <laughs> Great line in that movie. And one of the things I also like is, uh, and just as a matter of small little detail, because I love you, know, I love the small little details. Yeah. Holly Hunter went and learned all of the airline aircraft lingo for the scene where she's talking on the radio, trying to get landing on uh, No Man's Land. Yeah, she learned what all that meant so that she could say the stuff correctly in a believable way. So she yeah. wasn't just saying random stuff, even though it would have translated. But she actually knew what she was saying yeah. in that scene, which I love that they went to that much trouble. Mm-hmm. And also, as just as another little animation thing, I love how when they land in the water and she's trying to calm her children down, yes, when she quickly looks down and sees the reflection in the water of the plane coming <laughs> down and quickly gets a hold of them so they don't get killed. Yeah. It's... She's just a fun character. Yeah. She, uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, she's the... Uh, Elastigirl, Helen is very much the the mom's mom. Mm-hmm. She's she's taking care of everything. She's juggling everything, and in the midst and like you said, like in the midst of the she believes that her husband is cheating on her when he's actually just going through a midlife crisis. Well, it's not that she thinks he's cheating on her. They act like what he's doing is the equivalent of him yeah, cheating on they her. They do. They do. My favorite quote when it comes to Helen. Mm-hmm. Is when the three of them, Helen and the two children, are on the island after surviving the plane crash. Yeah, and they're in the cave, and she pulls this line that, "Put these on your mask. Your identity is your most valuable possession. Protect it, and if anything goes wrong, use your powers." I know what I said. Remember the be- remember those bad guys in the shows you watched on Saturday mornings? Well. These guys are not like those guys. They won't exercise restraint because you're children. They will kill you if you, they get the chance. Mm-hmm. Don't give them that chance. Yeah. Basically giving her young children 
a crash course in life. Especially in the life that they have been born into, where it's very obvious if they do not act like the superheroes they need to be, yeah. they're going to die on yeah. this island. There's Honestly, they shouldn't be there. The only reason they're there is because they uh, stow weight on the plane. Yeah. And trying to get them to where they're at a point where, okay, we can survive this. But you've got to do it this way or trouble's going to come. Yes. And I like how, especially when you compare her uh, stealthy entrance into the facility compared to Bob's. Yes. Where Bob... Is a wrecking ball. Is a wrecking ball. He, admittedly, he gets through mostly undetected. Yes. But he takes out about 50 guards along the way. Yes. Whereas Helen, Mm -hmm. A, finds out what's going on a lot faster. Yeah. B, does not run into trouble until her foot gets stuck. And then her hips. And then her hips. And then someone, they run into her. And she, at the end of the end of that, she only takes out five people. At least. And that's because they were there. And she already has figures out what's, or at least has a good idea of where Bob is, what's going on, mm-hmm. and is able to get up there to save him. Yeah. Uh, whereas Bob was stupid enough. Well, I'm not going to say stupid. He was smart enough to be able to get to where the computer was. Yeah. And look everything up. But not to get out while the getting was good. <laughs> yeah, well, he he and honestly, in his defense, be it's like, not his fault that he got caught. No, it's but not. He could have left a lot sooner than he did. Yeah, I think. But to kind of go with the fact that he was looking at all this information of all these people who he knew, friends who had died yeah. at the hands of our villain, just to prove something. Mm-hmm. So I would be in the same shoe, same shoes as him. That oh my gosh, I've learned all this information. I'm in shock. Yeah, until my chest starts glowing. And and no idea why. I kind of wonder why Edna didn't bother to tell him there was a homing beacon in his suit. Edna's smarter than that. Yeah, I, I guess it was more for for Helen's sake than Bob's. Still, that nearly got Bob killed. Yeah, that's true. But it's it. It was a it was a device in order to which to get Helen, also the kids, to the island. Yes, I agree with that. So, uh, speaking of kids, let's talk about the children. Okay, so we want to start with Violet or Dash. Oh, let's go with the speedster. Okay, we'll go with the speedster. Dash is a very fun character. I mean, he's obviously a bratty little kid. Yeah, who's very fast, but because of the life he's forced to live, because they can't be supers. We haven't talked about that, but yeah. they they literally can't be who they are because the superhero relocation program has pretty much made who they are illegal. Yes. Or at least to act on that. They're, it's illegal. Which, hearkening back to comic book history, mm. even though this would technically not happen until the 80s in the comic books, reminds me of the Mutant Registration Act that uh, the X-Men had to deal with the Metahuman Registration Act that led into the first Civil War comic book. Yes. And then, of course, following the MCU, the Mm -hmm. Sokovia Accords, Mm -hmm. uh, it puts me in that mind. It's like, okay, they legally can't move, but look how much it's causing these kids, how much much trouble it's giving these kids growing up in. I mean, Dash is acting out a lot, because you see him at the beginning putting a tack on his his teacher's (laughs) chair, but moving, of course, so fast that even the videotape set up to catch him doesn't yes. see them. Yes. Which, I love how he gets away with it, 
But he still gets in trouble with his mom. Oh, yeah. Because um, when your mom is a super she, and you're a super, you're going to get in trouble. what your capabilities are. Yes. But Dash, being a bratty little kid, he's got some of the best lines. Like, when they get crash into the water, he's going, <laughs> we're dead. <laughs> we're we're dead. dead. We survived, <laughs> but we're dead. <laughs> it's just such... He's... He's slightly overdramatic. Slightly overdramatic, yeah. But in, in his defense, it'd be like, I just crashed and I think yeah. I should be dead at this moment. But he's also got the most energy, so he he's not good at sitting still. No, he's either. not. I mean that which nearly gets him into trouble, but does at least give him and his sister enough warning time before yes. they get incinerated by the rocket blast. Yes. Um and the fact that he's fast enough. He's able to take out, what, six of those guards during that scene in the flying choppers? At least. The yeah. he, and he's fast enough that he runs on runs water. Runs on water, which I love that scene. Where he's like, uh-huh. he, he's running. All of a sudden, he realizes he's running up on water. He doesn't know if he, what's going to happen. So he closes his eyes, but he's still running straight. And the music cuts out. So all you hear is the little sound effect of his feet hitting the water. <laughs> As he runs across the water. Realizes he's not. It's like he looks down and does that <laughs> kind of laugh. It's like, Okay, that's awesome. This is so <laughs> awesome that I can do this. And then yeah. runs into that cave as the choppers are facing him. The other chopper comes in from the other side, back and back and doing back and forth. It's like, okay, I can't go this way. I can't go. This way. He gets back and forth. Finally, he just stops because there's nowhere for him to go. And that's when he finally falls into the water, and the choppers run into each other and blow up. Mm-hmm. It's he's so fun to watch. He is. What he gets stuck into, and even though he fights with his sister a lot, oh yeah, he's very protective of her because. Oh, of, yeah. I'm probably cutting into what you're wanting to say, and I no, apologize, no. but he can be a bit of annoying, but I don't think there's anyone more loyal in that family than he is. No, I agree. And, you know, kind of coming from the experience of being an older brother of two younger brothers, I completely understand where Dash is coming from, even though he's a younger brother and I'm an older brother. Uh, be like you have this uh, hardwired dedication to your younger siblings, mm-hmm. so you are going to protect them. It doesn't yeah. matter what. Be like, my younger brothers are now, like, in their 30s. And be like, even though they are much bigger than I am, mm-hmm. I still want to protect them. If, right. if someone ever decided to be like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna hurt my brother, be like, you better watch out because I'm going to take your head. <laughs> and if they don't believe what you say, your bark will prove it. Yeah. <laughs> Super bark! Exactly. Um, and that just leads us into Violet. Yes. Um... Uh, she her power set. Uh, the only the only superhero one or only, only uh, superhero I could find, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there's more. I just can't. I just wasn't able to find them. The only superhero I could find that has her power set is uh, uh, Invisible Girl in the Fantastic yeah, Four. Yeah, Sue Richards. Yeah, Sue Richards. She has invisibility and force fields. Yes, which does actually make sense, even in a weird sort of way. She is. It fits her character the most, especially in the beginning, because. Yes. She is a teenage girl who pretty much wants to be invisible because she can't... She, she's insecure. Yeah, like any teenager is going right. to be. And at the beginning, you even see her hair is always in her face like she's trying to hide from mm-hmm. the world through her hair. Yes. I, I love her growth through mm-hmm. this movie. Slowly where she... Uh, as she gets put in charge of watching Dash. Yes. Uh, and her mother... Moves her hair out of her eye mm-hmm. as she's trying to build her up. Says, uh, y'all, uh, you're, uh, you, you just said the line, 
Are you? It's right after the lines you were. T- you uh, yeah. Hold on there. One this second. Is... I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. Hold on. Let me get to it. Oh, okay. Um, a part of the line in which Helen says to her daughter, "You have more power than you realize. Don't think and don't worry. If the time comes, you'll know what to do. It's in your blood." Yes. And that is so singing true, especially throughout the movie, mm-hmm. because she f- figures out how to save Dash when he gets attacked. And of course, now she's flying in the bubble, and Dash asks, how are you doing that? She says, I don't know. And she goes, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. <laughs> and then, of course, at the very end, not to jump too far ahead, yeah. when Syndrome's plane crashes into where they are, and the smoke clears, and you can see her holding the force field up. She's the only one who could have done anything at that yeah. point. And her mom looks at her and says, that's my girl. girl. <laughs> yeah. And Kinda- by the end, of course, then she's talking to her crush, that the yeah. whole thing, to uh, Tony Reidinger. Yes. <laughs> and she's the one who's strong and confident, and he's the one stumbling over his own words. It's like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. It's like, who's this girl again? It's like, uh, I like movies. I'll buy the popcorn, Okay. It's like a Tuesday, right? Says, yeah, Tuesday. <laughs> uh, Which Tuesday never comes. No. Spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert for Incredibles 2. two. Uh, with the kids, with Helen, she's, you know, get, gave that amazing line to her kids. The The fight in the forest is pretty much a crash course. Mm-hmm. Because Dash is, he's overconfident in his ability. And they're like, oh yeah, I'm so fat. And he gets hit. Yeah. He actually gets hit. He's stunned by it. It's like, what? That's supposed to happen? And, you know, he gets thrown off and be like, they actually are put into moral danger. Yeah. And I love that about this film because it brings that realism. It's not be like, oh, they be like, there's no real danger. There's no real threat to it. Mm-hmm. Be like, their lives are in danger, like you said before. Yeah. And that's just one of the things I love about these two kids. Now, we can't, you know, talk about, you know, the two older kids without talking about Jack Jack. Yes. Which, unfortunately, we can't get too much into Jack-Jack because he's not in the movie that much. No, he's not. Unless you go ahead and watch Jack-Jack Attack immediately after, which (laughs) I don't know if you did, but I did. Yes, I did. I've seen it multiple times. He is... his Throughout the entire movie, they don't think he has powers. Yeah. Because he's not shown them to them, but... Apparently, when they listen to Mozart, because Mozart makes babies smart... (laughs) Sorry. That starts off the chain reaction of where it's like, he's got every power imaginable. Yes. Yes. Uh, We see him turn into steel. We see him turn into a demon baby. We see him catch on fire in this movie. And we see, like, yeah, well, that's more in the Incredibles 2. Yeah. But, uh, and I just love how you don't know that's coming Mm -hmm. until the very. In. Yeah. And you and Syndrome's try, flying off. The baby's crying like, oh crap, what are they gonna do? And then all of a sudden, fire baby! <laughs> Turns into metal, they fall down. And then uh, Syndrome gets some more air as the baby turns into a demon. <laughs> it's like, and I remember while I was sitting there watching, I'm laughing my butt off. Yes. Because this is so hilarious, <laughs> what's happening. And still, somehow, none of the rest of the family see this happen. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, they're pretty high up in the air, but still. You, they ought to be, they ought to be saying, why did Syndrome just drop right then? Yeah. 
There's no reason he should have. He's got the thrust. Yeah, I think they're more concerned, like, oh my they're gosh, cons- the baby! Yeah, they are they're, more they're, concerned, they're more concerned Jack, about what Jack, Jack's going on, still, besides what's actually happening. It's, it's one of those things where, logically, in my mind, separated from the action, they should have noticed that, but yeah. you know, when you're in the middle of the action, you missed stuff. That's true. So, speaking of a certain villain, let's talk about... Syndrome. Syndrome. Uh, the beginning of the movie... Yes. He is not a villain. No, he's, he's not. wanting to be Mr. Incredible's sidekick. Incredible. Incredible. Uh-huh. And he's apparently a really good inventor because he's able to fly. He's got rocket boots. He's yeah. a little obsessed. A little obsessed. A little. Uh, the character he reminds me the most of. Uh, did you ever watch on um, back in the 90s a show called Freakazoid? No, I didn't. Okay. There was a character they had in there in a couple episodes called Fanboy. Oh, okay. Who, much like Buddy in this movie, wanted to be Freakazoid's sidekick. Oh, okay. But he's like a fan of like a ton of different things. I mean, that this was the episode they, that Mark Hamill guest starred as himself. And of course, Fanboy does this whole thing where he says, "Join me, Mark Hamill." Uh, and together we can rule this Comic-Con as fanboy and son. <laughs> it's, you need to watch that show. Oh, uh, okay. Definitely will. Definitely uh, will but anyway, back, it's the, fanboy is the character he, Buddy reminds me the most of at the beginning. Okay. Of it, which is a lot better when your character is, what, 12, 13? Yeah. And fanboy was a freak where it's very obvious he's our age. Okay. <laughs> He's a very old fanboy. He should have slimmed up and gotten out and gotten life. Yeah, he he saw, he says the guy who needs to slim down and meet people. <laughs> he sounds like an otaku. Except this was before otaku. Yeah, this was before otaku. But syndrome is be like ultimately he's rejected by Mister Incredible, saying mm-hmm. be like fly home, buddy. I work alone, and this inadvertently brings about the birth of Syndrome. Well, the first thing it does, actually, this is not the first thing it does, but in the midst of all of that is yeah. when Mr. Incredible saves a suicide victim. Yes. And then later gets sued by him. Yes. Oddly enough, the... Su- the but the, the buddy's involvement is what causes more of the complications with yeah, the train. True. Because uh, all those people end up suing... Uh, that were in the train at the time, end up suing Mr. Incredible for damages also. In which causes a cascade of Cascading effect, which is what brings us to our modern day. Yes. Oddly enough, oddly enough, the the guy who, the suicide jumper's name was actually Oliver Sandsweet. Yeah. I just thought that was interesting. It's very much a unfortunate name. Yeah, I, I agree. But going back to syndrome, synd- uh, I think a a line from a certain Dark Knight movie fits this character very well. I agree. You either die as a hero, or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Exactly, and that is syndrome to a T. Is a man who said, "Oh, I can do this alone." Yeah, they're like, "I've been rejected by my hero. I can do this by myself. I can make it's a so- pretty good living for myself." Oh yeah, come up with this. Uh- plan to make all these technologies, pretty much pull a Tony Stark and become a weapons uh, manufacturer. Yeah. 
Uh, and then, but of course, keep all the cool toys for myself. Right. And then I'm going to try and, uh, you know, set this big plan to take out all the superheroes with this robot so that I'm the only person who can save the day, except they made it a learning robot who was very smart and could tell, hey, I'm being controlled by this remote on this other hand. I bet if I took that remote out, I wouldn't have this problem. Yeah, he doesn't quite think, think through everything. Yes. His his ego gets a, gets away with him. Very gets much so. Him. But at the same time, he was able to take out, what, 30 different heroes, I think we uh, see? It was 16. 16. 16. So that's a lot of supers to take out. Yes. Uh, next character we ought to talk about is Frozo. So, yes. Honey, where's my super suit? Uh, why? Uh, I don't know. I says I need my super suit. Why do you need to know? We're talking about the greater good. I'm the greatest good you ever gonna get. <laughs> Tell me where my suit is, woman. I love that. Perfect line whatsoever. Because Samuel Jackson just kills his character. Yes. I, and this was the first time he had been in any comic book movie, yeah, I believe. Um, before his role, especially is- superhero, before he became Nick Fury yes. in uh, the MCU, yes. Which I just as a short side note, I'm so glad he's finally come back after uh, him taking that break at the end of Age of Ultron. Yeah, because uh, we got him in Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Presumably, he's going to be back in Endgame. Yeah. And we know he's showing up in Spider-Man Far From Home. Yeah, that's true. So I'm so glad he's back for that. Yeah. Anyway, back to where we were. Uh, my favorite moment of his, besides okay. the super suit. Yes. They, they're they rescuing these hostages from the burning building. Oh, <laughs> yes. Near the beginning of the film. <laughs> uh, he can't, they, 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 he can't pull pull ice because there's no water in the, in, amongst this fire. Yes. So he can't put the fire out. And, uh, Bob is berating him for that and, and says, well, can't you pull water from the air? There is no, no water in this air. air. What's wrong with you? Run out of muscle. <laughs> <laughs> and so Bob, they end up crashing through the wall and falling into a jewelry store. <laughs> By mistake, of course. of course. Yes, but it's Bob who stands up right in the middle of the security oh, sensors. Great. Goes, oh, great. <laughs> so the policeman comes and says, uh, freeze! And it's like, and you know, obviously the policeman's going to try and arrest these two guys, but Frozone sees a water cooler, so he reaches over, starts, uh, you know, pouring mm-hmm. water into this glass. Yeah, it's hilarious. I said freeze. I said freeze. I'm thirsty. I'm just going to get a drink of water. So he gets his drink of water, sips on, says, "Okay, you've had your drink." He says, "I know, I know." I know. Freeze. freeze. And they barely escape. But the look on that guy's face when the other policemen come in, and you see he's holding it. The bullet is frozen in the ice, which is hilarious in and of itself. Yeah, beautifully animated. Yes, and this is this is back when they were still having to edit, uh, animate light manually. Yeah, which was very hard back. I can imagine. It's not like uh, this post Monsters University world where. They just set a light source, and the software automatically determines where all the light rays yeah. should go and how different materials would affect it. Yeah, this was okay. Light source is here. It's we've got to move it on every single one of these items simultaneously. <laughs> so anyway, Frozen is just such a fun character. He is, except that he has virtually no impact on the movie. That is true. That is so true. Really, 
he's got very little impact in either this in either of the two movies, yeah. other than uh, being involved in the climax of both of them. Yeah. Well, a good a good point, and saving the kids in the Incredibles too. That's, that's we'll get to that when we yeah. get to that movie. Yes, a good point to point out with Frozone. Apparently, if you if you go and watch the film, mm-hmm. which if you haven't watched the film again, why are you listening to us? Exactly, go watch the movie before we talk to uh, before you come listen to us because we will spoil this movie beyond belief. In fact, how much of this movie have we already spoiled? Yeah. Anyway, no spoilers. Too bad. <laughs> Anyway, anyways, uh, the fact that originally the original target wasn't Bob, but rather Frozen. Frozen. Yeah, I just I found that fascinating because I when I reviewed it for this when I reviewed it for this podcast. And you reviewed it for the review. Reviewed for reviewed for the review. That was the first time yeah. I I caught that, and I was like, "Wow, yeah." Be like, be like, "Are you sure you want to change target?" It's like, okay, yeah, no problem. Mm-hmm. And so we go after Bob. Yes. So I thought that was a nice little tidbit that I did not realize until this review. Okay. Uh, past that, I think we've got Edna to talk about still. Yes, Edna. She is such a fun character, and Brad Bird plays her expertly. No capes. No capes. Do you remember Thunderhead? <laughs> nice man. Good with kids. What was it? November fifteenth, nineteen fifty-seven. Gets gets his cape caught on a rocket. It's not the exact line. But you yes, know what I mean. but it, it's like good impression by the way. Stratogale <laughs> caught in a wind turbine or something like that. You caught in a jet turbine. I don't remember the rest of it. Yes, but I want to point out we haven't touched on this yet. Okay, the superheroes in that scene that she goes through, Stratogale, Thunderhead. Yeah, they are on the second row. During the wedding. During the wedding. Yes. While on the front row, you've got Edna, Rick Deckard, who we haven't talked about yet. Yeah. And Gazerby, who yeah. was the first, who was the, the superhero that got Bob starting to worry about where every, all his friends were. And then yeah. he finds his corpse on the island. Well, yeah. He hides behind it to make Syndrome think he's dead. dead. Yeah. But uh, I just I just love the little things like that. Of course, yeah. admittedly, they had to put somebody in the scene. Didn't have many other models. They did have these character models that hadn't done much, so we'll put them in this other scene. Admittedly, there is a little bit of that in there, but yeah. still, the fact that you've got that much detail thrown into that, I love. Yeah. Anyway. I agree. I agree. There's so much, so much little detail in this film that just... It, it's uh, it's like like picking little nuggets and saying, mm-hmm. oh, here, here. Oh my gosh. What in the world? Where has this been? Yeah. How did I miss that? Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Uh, Inconceivable! We hadn't got to him yet. Not that we're going to spend much time with him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other other person we ought to bring up is Rick Decker, who is essentially their gov- the their government employee that's uh, in charge of Bob's family in the relocation program. Yes. Yeah, I'm convinced Rick Decker, especially when one considers uh, Jack Jack Attack and his role in uh, Incredibles Two. Yes. That he is actually a reference to Rick Decker from uh, Blade Runner. Blade Runner. I don't know why I can't say Blade Runner. Um, he's got kind of that look about him. He, admittedly, he is voiced by Bud Lucky, who was a Pixar uh, director. He was one of the other Pix- main Pixar yeah. directors. Yeah, he sadly he's passed away. Right, so he couldn't reprise his role for Incredibles 2, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But, um, I don't know, that not a grumpy old man who still is there for them, especially 
when it comes up at the end after yeah. they've saved the day. I just like that, that they went to that much trouble to have that character in there. Yeah. I agree. Concur. And the only other character we've continually talked about. Sorry, we kept saying Gruff earlier. I believe his name is Mr. Huff. Yeah, it's Huff. It says Huff. Yeah, it's Huff. And, which is voiced by Wallace Shawn. Yes. A, who is a, gen- a national treasure, in my opinion, <laughs> of an actor. Uh, of course, we both talked how uh, he was the uh, Vecini in Princess Bride. Right. I mainly know him. As Grand Nagus Zek in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, yeah. where he played the leader of the Ferengi. Yeah. The greed, uh, the, the money-hungry race. Uh, so, just a note, if you have not seen The Princess Bride... Who are you and why, are, why have you not experienced joy? Yes. <laughs> go watch the film. Please, this is our recommendation. It's not an animation movie. Just go watch the movie. Exactly. It's great. Exactly. So, um, the only other trivia I can think of is at the very end of the movie, they show when they save the day, Mm -hmm. they show there's these two old men that are on screen for a couple seconds that kind of just always seemed out of place when I watched it. Okay. Uh, they pretty much say the lines like, uh, that's the way to do it. Do it the old school way. I was confused the first couple times I watched this. Like, okay, who are these guys? Yeah. Who should I care about? Why should I care about these guys? These were, I think at that time, I think they've passed since this time, two, uh, the, two of the original seven men who uh, was the original animators for Walt Disney. Oh, okay. Uh, they Wait, were, I did hear about that. Yeah. That is mind-blowing. They were still alive at the point. I think they have since passed, unfortunately. Yeah, that, But yeah. Brad Bird was always giving these guys cameos and stuff. They always agreed to come. Yeah. And, uh, cause I think they're also in, uh, Iron John at one point. Oh, okay. But, uh, admittedly, it's kind of a strange scene, but at the same time, that is who those people are. If you're ever wondering, I got you. Okay. Admittedly, the first time I watched it, I thought, are these guys supposed to be Statler and Waldorf from the Muppets? <laughs> cause that's kind of who I thought they were. But then, no, it's those guys. I can't think of their okay. names. That kind of reminded me, the we are using, you know, two of the seven old men mm-hmm. from Disney. It reminded me of the directors of Aladdin and several other greats, A Little Mermaid and several others. Several mm-hmm. others, I'm not on top of my head. Uh, the two directors, Ron, Clef- Ron Clefman and John Musker. Mm-hmm. They always seem to make a cameo in their films. As characters. Oh, I mean, a lot of uh, directors have done that over the years. Yeah. I mean, you, you go to the big one, um, shoot, uh, Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. Who makes a cameo appearance in every movie yes, he, was, he, does. he directed. Mm-hmm. Uh, George Lucas uh, made a cameo appearance in Revenge of the Sith, the only time he ever did it. Yeah. Uh, as a blue alien in one scene. Uh, yeah, which... If we go on a tangent about that, the only reason he did it because his daughter wanted to do it. Yeah. And she's like, Dad, you gotta do it with me. It's like, okay, fine, I'll do it. So at least he's in, he's canon somewhat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> even though no one, anyway, it's beside the point. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, a director cameo is not unheard of. No, it's not. But it's always but interesting. But when it's animated, it's always much more interesting. Yes. Because they actually put some work into that. Yes, they did. So. So, I think... Correct me if I'm wrong. I think that brings us to 
uh, our rate our, our ratings on this movie. Yes, I think he does. So uh, first off, uh, is it family friendly? Well, duh. Well, yes, yes, it is. It I mean, is. that this particular part of the rating system was your idea. So <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> well, yes, Incredibles is very friend family friendly, and. Any family who has not seen The Incredibles, you need to put your kids in front of a television and have them watch this movie. Yes. I also wholeheartedly agree that it is a family-friendly movie. It's so family-friendly, it's about a family. Yeah. Let me get right down to it. There's not a curse word to be heard throughout the whole thing, which is amazing considering Samuel L. Jackson's in the movie. (laughs) Uh, And like I said, it's... While there is the feeling that what Helen is worried about throughout the whole movie yes. is that Bob is cheating on her, that's not what is actually happening. Yes. It's just, and that part's definitely going to go, that, that insinuation is going to go over every kid's head. Oh, yeah. Uh, Only adults will get it. It's like, yeah. oh, and the kids will be like, but, what? But at the same time, it's like, oh. Especially, I, I didn't talk about this a minute ago, but the. the Scene where Bob comes in late at night and she's sitting there and she reaches across and picks up the piece of rock like mm-hmm. it's the rubble, like it's uh, like something from a from a, a, a late woman of the night. Yeah, <laughs> because is this rubble? Maybe. <laughs> anyway, that's beside the point. Yeah. So yes. Um. So yes, Incredibles is family friendly yes. and worth watching. I agree. What would you rate it? For me, Incredibles would probably a solid eight. Okay, I'd be like, even though it's it's one of my favorite films, I'm not going to say it's the the top tier echelon films. Mm-hmm. It's going to be up there. It's high. It's high. Yeah, but it's you know, for me, it's going to get an eight. Okay, What's yours? I'm going to give it a nine. Okay, my most of. The reason I give it any knocks whatsoever, yeah, is uh, unfortunately the film did not visually age. No, it did too not. terribly well. Yeah, that's not something they could have helped any, but it's always disappointing when you see an older movie and it's you can see the uh, the the, the uh, where, where the textures didn't land, where the shadows yeah. were not put in. I'm especially referring to one scene in particular near the beginning of the movie. Where yeah, let's see what some, you point out. Somehow, I don't know how this happened, how it got past editing, but there is a scene where the it looks like it's early alpha animation. Like, they barely gotten the colors in, and it's just barely animated. Yeah. It's the scene, if you're curious, that's when Helen calls Bob, and the scenes with Helen at the house cleaning up Jack-Jack, Admittedly, when I watched it the first couple of times, I never noticed yeah, it. Yeah, me either. But this time I watched it and went, something about this scene doesn't look right. Oh, it's missing detail. <laughs> that's the problem here. <laughs> right. So, yeah, that's the only reason I knock it in. Of course, I did rate it a little higher, but that's just because I'm a superhero nut. I got you. So, before we get out here, I think we need to touch on the film's legacy. Yes. At this point. Uh, like with most Pixar films, they did a little short mm-hmm. as a bit of a sequel it called would. Jack Jack Attack, mm-hmm. which takes place during the movie from the point where uh, Mrs. Incredible 
is calling the babysitter to find out uh, how Jack how Jack Jack's doing. Yeah, to the end of the movie. Yes. And dealing with how Kari, the babysitter, is dealing with... The little monster. The monster, yeah. it It's hilarious. Yes. And then we have its follow-up sequel, which took how long to do? Like, what, 18 years? Rough. Roughly. roughly. Uh, which seems amazing that it's been that long, but yeah. that's beside the point. Um, yeah, so we now have... Incredibles which is, 2. Incredibles 2, which, which just came out on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital. And I currently own three copies, not intentionally. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to get that story at another point. Exactly. But uh, it does take place immediately after Incredibles finishes. Yes. Like, literally, the la- the first scene of this movie is the last scene of the last movie. Gotcha. So, that brings us to the end of another episode of the Cellcast, which means we now have to roll for our next movie. Yes. Our... Uh, to go over what the, our possible movies for next week are. Yes. Number one, Anastasia. Mm-hmm. Number two, Batman, Return of the Caped Crusaders. Number three, Transformers the Movie. Number four, Big Hero 6. Mm-hmm. Number five, our new one this week, Digimon the Movie. And number six, The Girl Who Left Their Time. And I will point out that if we do not roll one, either Anastasia, Batman Return of the Cape Crusaders, or uh, The Girl, the girl Who Left Their time, time, one of those movies is going to grow into the spot of next week's movie next week. Mm-hmm. Because we want to review all these movies in a fairly timely fashion. Yes. And we really don't want to go more than 12 weeks without, uh, after a movie's been put on the list, to actually review it. Mm-hmm. So, I will now roll, since it was Incredibles was your pick this week. Yeah. <laughs> and it's Anastasia. Who would have thought? Who would have thought it? Yes. It's not like, anyway. We've done this before. Exactly. Which, ironically, when I did the roll for the sound effect, admittedly, I still got Anastasia. Yeah, it's actually on a one. So, yeah, that's crazy. So, that means we now need to conclude the podcast. Yes. So, where can they find you, Jacob? You can find me on Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. And also on Facebook, you can find me at Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where I try, in air quotes, to try to draw every day. Okay. All right. Also, you can find me on Twitter at Jacob Heron. One word. And and you can find me on Instagram at HeronJ82ArtistX. Is that like Racer X and Speed Racer? No, Arter X. Art X. That takes the fun out of it. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you can find me also on Facebook. Uh, just search for Drew Dodgen. And you can also find me on Letterboxd.com. I'm under uh, GGeorge759, and essentially I just post reviews there every once in a while. I recently did a list of uh, best to worst uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, so mm-hmm. if you want to see my questionable taste, go right ahead and take a look at that. Uh, past that, of course, you can join our Facebook group at the Cellcast. 
Uh, it is a closed group, so all you have to do is uh, ask to join. We'll make sure you're not a robot. How we do that is uh, confidential. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you can also email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. Keep in mind, every time we say the cellcast, that's only with one L. Yes. And I believe that finishes us up. I believe so. Okay, so this has been Drew. This is Jiggin. And we'll see you in the next frame. Behold, the Underminer. I've always beneath you, but nothing is beneath me. I hereby declare war on peace and happiness. Soon all will tremble before me. Wait, no worries, Scoob. I got this, man. Come Next time on The Cellcast. Anastasia. Yeah, just one problem there, fella. Anastasia's dead. All the Romanoffs are dead. They're dead. Dead, dead, dead. Am I right, my friend? I mean, how could that be? Oh, come on. Am I supposed to believe that thing woke up after all these years just because some guy claims she's a Romanoff? Okay, okay, I get the message. Enough already with the glowing and the smoke people. If that thing's come back to life, it must mean Anastasia's alive. Just leave the dog. I'm not leaving the dog. And that's her. Got a train to catch.